0: Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rapaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rapaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: Something that makes me crazy is when people say, Well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes: that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is Sheep Pivots. and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin.
2: And I'm David Gurra. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's The Thing.
0: Will you please welcome Jerry Steinfeld, of-
3: Jerry Seinfeld debuted on HBO in 1981. It was the same year he first appeared on Johnny Carson. He was 27 years old.
4: Nice to be here tonight. A pleasure to be here tonight.
3: Seinfeld's material stood out. It wasn't about his upbringing or personal relationships. It was about our universal experience of everyday things.
4: Pajamas have got to be the world's funniest clothes. Who designed them to look that way, like a little tiny suit? notice little collar buttoned down. And a breast pocket. There's a useful item. Is anybody using the breast pocket on your pajamas?
3: Seinfeld asked questions we wished we'd thought of. Then he'd answer them with a casual precision that seemed to spin comedy out of nothing. In 1989, eight years after his HBO debut, he and Larry David created a weekly series that would change both their lives.
0: This is the show, and we're not going to change it, right? (laughs) How about this?
4: I manage a circus.
3: Seinfeld ran for nine seasons on NBC. It was a critical and popular success. The show, about nothing, as it's been described, challenged some long-established laws of mainstream television comedy. It was brilliantly unsentimental. The characters rarely exhibited emotions other than exasperation.
2: What were you thinking?
4: What was going on in your mind?
3: On set, the writers held strongly to a principle they dubbed No Hugging, No Learning. The 76 million viewers who watched the series finale waited to see what would happen next to the performers they'd grown to love. And even though conventional wisdom predicted spin-offs and sequels, Jerry Seinfeld went back to stand-up.
4: Anyway, there's something good there. Is this your first gig? And it wasn't easy. Yeah, all the stuff I've never said before to anyone. It's just thoughts. So this happened how the media is developed material. Right. <laughs> and uh, as you can see, this is quite painful. <laughs>
3: He's done a few other projects as well. The latest on the internet is a show called Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, which combines some of his favorite things, driving while talking to his friends, and drinking coffee.
5: It's funny that you picked a Jaguar because I have a secret love of Jaguars, but I'm not a car person, and I don't believe in spending money on cars, no offense.
3: Jerry Seinfeld has it figured out. He isn't destroying himself, trying to prove something. He isn't tortured by the challenges of his art. He keeps things simple and clear. Take
4: his regular morning routine when he wakes up. If my wife is up, I like that. Because I do not like cat pawing around. Right. I want to get up, let's go, baby. Yeah. So the first thing Reveille. I want... Reveille, yeah, I Yeah. I want sports radio on... And I, and I wash, and I, I run the faucets, and I start splashing my face with water yeah. like Mace in The Hustler. Like
3: Mace in The Hustler? I was going to say more like Joan Crawford before
4: she goes <laughs> no. to the studio. Uh, Jackie Gleason in The Hustler goes into the bathroom, splashes his face with water. To revive himself. To revive For himself. the next round. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I took that. I said, that's great. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Yeah. That's how you face life. Water. The Just essence water. of life. Water. Yeah.
3: Water. If I splash water on my face. Yeah. Yeah.
4: What What before is it? Your... before you go on stage? Is that what you do? Do you no? No. After face? I come off. When you come off. When I come off, the hardest thing when you come off is to return to your actual personality. You've blown your personality up to this, you know, uh, Joker Jack Nicholson face. And when you come off stage, I got to go back to me, and I need a minute. People will try and talk to me when I come off. I I can't talk to them.
3: Yeah.
4: I, go, I I gotta splash some water on. I like, gotta. Like, I gotta do the gleason. Yeah, I gotta the do bathroom. gleason. Like, I need no, some beautiful towels. some yeah, monogrammed towels. Give me. I, give I have my own filled with towels. That's how I like to start the morning. Shades up. Radio. Sports radio on. Splash in the face. Carpe diem. Yes. And then and then what, what do you have for breakfast? What's breakfast? Oatmeal. Day? Oatmeal. Honey and
3: cinnamon. So there's a kind of a military theme. But there's a kind of a military base theme. Your, your like, home does not
4: resemble a military base. If I'm not funny, people die. <laughs> people going to get hurt. Yeah. You want me on that stage. You want me. You need me on that stage.
3: <laughs> Is that how you feel?
4: No. No, you don't. No. What
3: word do you dis- use to describe what you do? What word do you use? What describes what you do?
4: Well, there's a term for it. I don't need to describe it with another word. It's called stand-up comedy. So you call yourself a comic. You don't call yourself an actor. No, I'm not an actor. You're not an actor. I have acted. Uh, Have you ever considered doing
3: anything dramatic? No. Right. Why? To what end? Right, okay. It's just a waste of time. Yes. So when when you saw someone like, uh, I mean, the most, uh, you know, glaring example is when Jerry Lewis does King of Comedy and crushes it. When Jerry Lewis comes in there and and plays that kind of just arid, uh, I mean, it was so remarkable his performance. It was breathtaking. Really? No, oh, he was breathtaking. You, you remember the movie? Yeah, of
6: course I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I
3: thought he was breathtaking. All right, great. And well, you don't see yourself doing that kind of
6: reversal. in the hands
3: of of
4: someone like that. Of
3: course, you right. do something so you, like that. But well, that's what I'm saying.
4: But that's his movie. Not Are you my. grading
3: me? Am I like? Am I not getting it right here? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just riffing with you. Yeah, no, you, I'm
4: just saying that. Um, what I do is. Um, um, the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah, but
3: I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying that there are people that come out on film, you know, comics, stand-up comics, clubs, performing. Maybe they go into do sitcoms where the shows are just beep-beep-joke, beat, beat, beep-beep-joke. Beat, beat, they tell jokes. And then they go into the movie business, and there's some uh, sense that there's going to be, and again, not just stand-up people, but the, the improvisatory groups, you know, if they come from UCB or... Groundlings Corel is a good example, and they come on, and there is an amount of acting that's required. when you did your TV show, mm-hmm. there was some acting that was required, so but you don't but you I got to act the whole show right but the, but, right, but some say, so you don't call yourself an actor though you
4: just say I'm a comic. Uh, if I'm on the show acting, then I'm acting i'm I'm a comedian okay I'm a stand-up comedian. Right. that's what I call myself. Right but I can act. Right. I just don't see the need for it. okay. I don't think okay. the world needs me to do that okay. This we, isn't, have, this we, have, isn't, we have Paul Rudd. What, what do you need me for? Right. You got to, you got Tom Hanks. We've got a guy for that. Yeah, we got a guy for that. Who can do? Can he do what I'm doing? Can he step into my shoes? No, there's many people that can do that thing, and I and I wish them all the luck and success. But my thing only I can do. My own head. My thing is to just you know. You probably splashed a lot of water in your face
3: this morning, <laughs> didn't you? You splashed an inordinate amount of really brisk water. It's almost brisking. always three splashes. Is it three? I'm, I'm, feeling like, it. I'm feeling eight or nine splashes <laughs> what went on this morning because you're loaded
4: for bear. We're like in a deposition I, here. I love talking with you. You know that. No,
3: yeah, I love talking with you.
4: Okay. So um, who makes it in comedy? Who are the ones who, that make it? And it's a change who, in your lifetime. What does it take to make it? Who's in show business? Let's answer that question because I'll, I'll tell you who's in show business. You know who's in show business, Alec? Who wants to be more than anyone else? Those are the people that are in it. The people that just go, I want to be in it. I'm going to be in it. Do I have the skill set? Do I have the talent? Do I have something to offer?
3: We'll find out. Or not. <laughs> it doesn't,
4: I may not. My take on that was when Pacino, I said
3: to him, what do you do when you do a movie and the other person isn't that good? Like you're doing a scene and I said do you go up to the director and give them notes say tell them this tell them this. and Pacino said no nah, I, I never do that I never do that no 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 I said, I said what do you do I, go, I said what do you do when the people that you're working with they're just I mean you're so talented and it's like tennis and you're, and you're, and you're hitting the ball with someone, and they're not that talented and he said Alec Alec all of us in the business are talented everybody's talented some of us are just more talented than others but everybody in the room when you're working, they've got some kind of talent. Like you'd say, he has a talent <laughs> for storytelling. He had a talent for this. But you're saying that people who, determination is a big part of it.
4: I'm saying it's most of the people we see in in the arts are there not because they had the most to offer, but because they wanted to be there the most. right. You believe right. so. When you were in clubs
3: in your early years, and you'd see people who were working, did you have a? Did you not, not that you cared about this, or you were focused on this? But would you sometimes? Because my friends who were in clubs and who were comics, there was a lot of evaluating of each other in the competition. It was very competitive. And would you look at people and say, "I think he's got it, or she's got it, and they're going to make it, and they don't, or this one doesn't." Yeah. And and a big part of your saying is just the drive. Uh huh. They just they want it. They're a dog on a bone. Yeah. <laughs> You see a lot of that, don't you think? I think so. Well, in the, in the movie business, you
4: can see people who they put it before everything else. You know what I mean? They're not— What, business, what, what field of endeavor has the highest bullshit factor, right. in your opinion? Because um, you've uh, been in a number of different
3: <laughs> branches now. <laughs> well, I think. Uh, well, obviously, uh, government is uh, government comes to mind higher first. than I think entertainment.
4: Higher. Did uh, you enjoy the Anthony Weiner show this season? Or, or not? The oh, show oh, that, oh, he, oh, that he put oh. on for us. <laughs> right. When when that was going on, did you? Were you disgusted? Were you going? I love this. I, I loved it because to me it was the visible man. Let's take off the face of the clock and watch the gears. And that's what that was. This is, you know, we're talking about people are un-showbiz because they want to be. He wants to have power. He just wants it. He wants it. And most of them have all the guises and veils and... And, you know, polish. Well,
3: they pretend that What well, you just hit on a very important point, which is that they pretend to some degree— That it's selfless. I, I, that, well, they're also—yeah, that, they, that they don't crave power. Right. But, but, but the other thing about Weiner that I found unusual— I, I mean, listen, this is—I'm not going to say anything. I don't think I'm capable of saying anything that hasn't been said before. But the idea that you want to take pictures of your genitalia mm-hmm. and send it to women that you barely know, I wonder if there's an unconscious part of him that's like, I'm gonna send pictures of my genitalia Mm -hmm. to a couple of women who I don't even know that well, and let's see what happens. Let's let's roll the (laughs) dice here. I'm putting all my chips on black twenty nine. I'm all in. I got another pile, and I'm all in on sending this chick a picture of my you know what of my personality. (laughs) I don't have that desire. Right. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, sex is
4: easier to understand than his get off was. Ding. He looks at the phone. Ding. That's it. Just press send. Where's the uh, thrill? Everybody has
3: has some component of them for what I call negative excitement. Like what's your thing you want to do that that you indulge? Some weakness of yours, you know what I mean? Right. Some people have food issues.
4: They have drinking issues. What would be mine? What would be yours? Uh, I don't think I... I mean, beyond tomato sauce, maybe. (laughs) Tomato? Yeah. (laughs) That's your But that's not that... Yeah. You are... And for people who don't know you,
3: see, this is the thing that, that in all honesty, I, I always, when I think about you, the list of things I think about is, is how, not just professional and committed and all those other kind of lame words, you know, lazier words, but how you know, just just focused and hardworking you are. Like, a lot of people look at you and view you as someone who is— but, but let's be very candid. I mean, you You're, you're someone—people people view you as someone who is this incredibly gifted person. I love the show. Right. And, no, you are. But the point is that you, like, you don't work. It's like, like you, you oh, really? do things like like you going on a, on a trip to go do some gigs. It's kind of a thing. You're probably just doing a favor for
4: someone. I think that's more you. I don't, you don't. think that's the general perception. You I don't. think that's you. Well, you I think your image of me or what you think Yeah, I think that's your sense of I'm it. projecting. Yeah, I think you're projecting. Okay. But you know that that's not me. No, no, not at all. You know that I love to work. You you incredibly uh, so. But but not um I'm not driven by anything. You're very healthy. Healthy. I'm not driven by anything unwholesome. But you're healthier. But you are
3: healthier than anybody else I've ever met in your profession. (laughs) Everybody else I've met in your profession, it, it was – you could do Saturday Night Live and be roaming the hallways of that building with yeah. them for the, over the course of – you know, it's really more like four days, not a full week. And you're around them. Other people I did a sitcom with, uh, other people – I've been around a lot of people who make their living in comedy. I made films with them. Right. And some of them, you'd be around them – you know, within 10 minutes, you understood what was really their deepest problem. Right. That they hadn't resolved. Right. Some of them
4: took a question of a few
3: days. You
4: don't have any problems. No, I don't. But I do relate very deeply to all of those people Why? you described. Why? In fact, I was watching the Emmys. Is the only part of the Emmys that I like when they do the comedy writing award. And each comedy writing staff puts up funny pictures. And then when the, the actual staff comes up on the stage and you see these gnome-like cretins... Just kind of all misshapen, and okay. and I go. This is me. This is who I am. This is yeah. that's my group. That's my people. Yeah, this is but, a room but you full don't of Marty think Theldmans. that. <laughs> yeah. Do you see that in me or no? No. no okay. Well, no. then you've learned something here today. What did I learn? You learned that despite maybe I am healthy and somewhat functional, but I can I see myself as. One of those guys. Do you really? That, 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 that group of Colbert Report writers that are just, it, it looks like Madagascar. We would never, we, right, we we would never let them speak at the microphone. <laughs> no. Colbert must accept no. the award. No, that's where I, I want to hang out with those guys. You do? Yeah, yeah. Like Barry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're more comfortable with the Barrys of the. I'm writer. only comfortable. Only comfortable
3: only. with those people. Really? Yeah. Describe Barry. You have a special relationship Barry, with Barry.
4: Martyr is my very special friend. Uh, Barry is the author of the Letters from a Nut book under the nom de plume, Ted L. Nancy. And he is um, hes also a fascinating compilation of function and dysfunction, which any interesting person is. Um, he's a guy who's, what I love about Barry is I can call him right now, it's 1130, that he will just say hello. He's always there, always at home. He's got a, a red couch. His living room looks like a murder scene. This, you know, uh, very scary-looking stains on a white rug. Where does you he live? Know, he lives in Toluca Lake. It's in Toluca Lake. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we talk every day, usually an hour. On a good day, two hours. And um, we were like talking th- yesterday about Chantix, the uh, quit-smoking drug. Commercial, where they list the side effects, and one of the ones that, they, that people have experienced with chantix is weird dreams. And now we're trying to figure out, well, what's a weird dream, and yeah. do they have a hotline that you can call up and say, "Bob, I got a guy here, who's, you know woke up, he dreamt he had orangutan feet. Is that weird? Yeah. And he goes, "No, I've had that <laughs> one. <You know? laughs> that's, that's not weird. Right. Who Who doesn't have weird dreams? I had, I, I, There's I, no dream. It's not weird. Exactly.
3: It's redundant. I had a dream last night. It's funny you should say that because I don't dream. Do you dream? Are you a dreamer? Everyone dreams, Ali. You do? Yeah. I don't remember my dreams. Very rarely. Yeah. You're a good sleeper. Yeah. Good sleeper. The, the super healthy man that you are, that man, the water, the reveille, the up in the morning, I don't want a cat paw around, that mm-hmm. man sleeps well. He sleeps
4: well. Yeah, because I I haven't. You lay down in your pillow. I, I and haven't done go. bad things a, right. to people. I, I have nothing to keep me up. If, is that what keeps people up? <laughs> yes. Is that what keeps people yeah, up? Yeah, regret. I don't think I do bad things to people. You know, in the Jewish religion, we have a day, the Day of Atonement. It's Yom Kippur. When you think of the things that you did during the year, uh, and, and you repent. So, so when that, you that, that think is, so that, for you, that's a very short. It's almost like a moment. Yeah, I, I, turn, think, the like you said, I think, turn
3: the page. I turn the page. Exactly. You walk down the street. You kind of look down at a crack of the <laughs> food and count to three and go, "Okay, I'm done. I atoned." Yeah. You thought I did. I did. Uh, yeah. uh, snap at that woman when she spilled the coffee on my my. No, linen I would jacket. never do that.
4: You would never do that. No, I would never snap at somebody. Never. 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 I wish I could say the same thing. <laughs> I have snapped at some people <laughs> in my life,
3: but a certain breed of people—people people I thought were.
4: Nothing gets me more upset than, uh, than you paying attention to those reactions. Getting them the, you, 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 Yeah, you have, I don't like that. I do have I, Because I, I try you, to you're one it. of the great entertainers
3: that I we I try have. to glorify it and call it like I have like a Bruce Wayne syndrome. i got to put that cape on. i got to get the door, and i got to straighten these people out. In my mind, that light is flashing. Commissioner Gordon is flashing that light, and i got to go downstairs, <laughs> get in the car, go out the tunnel, and Robin and I have to go beat the living shit out of as many photographers as we possibly can. You talk to him for an hour or two hours. Is it, is it a therapy for you?
4: Yes. because He's your
3: therapy. Yes,
4: because that great? we don't is, are, talk are, about anything important. No agenda. And we can just go, I'm bored of this. And then it just, and, and, and you just change the subject. You don't even say, I'm bored of this. I just change the subject. You just are on the same frequency, the two of you. Yeah. We love the uh, sipping coffee and, uh, loudly, you know, on the phone. Right. The, you know, this, this sound. <laughs> <laughs> I like to
3: tighten my jaw. I do like to tighten. To get back to Barry, because I have a friend like that. My friend Ronnie Dobson. No, but I find that we all have to have a person who is that kind of a soulmate. Where yeah. You can really talk, and, and, and it's interesting that it's a guy. Like yeah. my wife now is very close to that. I mean, I, was, I can tell her anything. I can say anything. Wow, that's amazing. I can say anything, and she'll look at me, and she—and there will be some judgment, because all women want to fix the man they're with. Right. They want to think that they have
4: some—that
3: mm-hmm. uh, they have some kind of uh, um, supervisory function yes. in our lives. Yes, yes. I've learned to have my wife take my inventory. Right. Tell me what's really going on. Show me what I'm missing about myself. Right. See, what you're not seeing is—and now what I do is I sit there and I go—first of all, I go like this. <laughs> And they'll just say, are you listening to me? I'm, I'm like, yes. I'm, I'm, every word. I agree with you. You're totally right. I do do that. And it's wrong. It's wrong. And I, I really need to... Thank you. I need to look at that more closely. Thank you for bringing that. I call Ronnie, who's my Barry. There's none of that. There's no, there's no judgment. There's no supervisory function.
4: Is that right. the way it is with Barry? Um, If I ask for it, I will often... I will ask him... Uh, the most challenging questions of life, to me. Any work related? Work related, personal. You know. You know. Almost every call we have, it's why are we? What are we doing? Why are we here? Why are we even alive? And he'll You go, what He'll, give me, an right. he'll right. give me an answer. He'll give me an answer.
3: What does he say? Why are we alive? According to Barry.
4: Um. <laughs> <laughs> He would probably say... um, To
3: sit on the stained sofa (laughs) in Toluca Lake and think the great thoughts. Yeah,
4: that's right. To laugh, to have fun. To enjoy ourselves. Yeah, to enjoy ourselves. To be happy. Yeah. Now, he gives you professional feedback? Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: Is there someone when you were coming up that gave you professional feedback? No. You were completely self-determining? Yes. Why do you think that is? You never turn to people, not that I'm saying this is good or bad, you never turned to somebody and said, how do you think I'm doing?
4: No. You didn't. Look, my mother's an orphan. My father left the house probably 11 years old uh, to work on the street and, and make a living on the Lower East Side. You know, They got married in their 40s. They had no concept of a, what a family should even be. And all I craved was the same fierce independence that they had in their lives. They, they pressed it on to you. Indestructible. Indestructible. self Contain self-reliant people. This is not great going into a marriage, may I say, mm-hmm. you know. And I was that guy saying, well, I gotta go now. I gotta go to work. And you don't think that this might be a problem for a person that's not used to being around that. Right. So it took me a long time to learn that, right. you know, that you have to be understand. Because to me, to me, this life, my life, uh, uh, the, what I would call my life in comedy, is a life of sacrifice. That I'm only too happy to make. All my relationships—I got married at 45—all my relationships were as disposable as a Dixie cup. Excuse me. With, I, with I, women, you mean? Yes. I've got to work. You're gone. Right. Well, but, well if you don't—if you don't want, you know—well, if, you, if you're going to be on the road that much, we can't be together. Goodbye. Goodbye. This is—I this. It, my, I have had a sense of mission.
3: You were like Lee Strasberg in The Godfather Part 2. Yes. When he says— <laughs> If I come back here, the money's here. here? I'll know I have a partner. I'll know I have a partner.
4: If it's not, I'll know I don't. I'll know I don't. What? what, He said I'm going in the other room. That's the last time a really out of shape man took his shirt off in a movie, and it wasn't bad. Yeah. Hair on the top of the shoulders, (laughs) right? Tufts tufts of hair,
3: (laughs) little, 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 like uh, little tumbleweeds of hair.
4: Yeah. Did you know him? Did you know? Lee? When I studied acting
3: at the school on Fifteenth Street, when I went to NYU, I w- went to Strasbourg. They assigned you to the studio you went to, Adler Strasbourg, so forth. I went to Strasbourg. and yeah. I had wonderful teachers, Marcia Haufrecht and Jeffrey Horn, is a wonderful te- beautiful people. But you know, the method of Strasbourg was very uh, severe. Did it work for you?
4: Was it um, you like one of the?
3: Well, it opened up your eyes to the idea of. Whatever word you want to use, I'm, I'm never going to use the right word for everyone you know, to, to mine your past and mine your emotional fabric to get where you want to go. Whereas Strasberg and Stanislavski, both people don't necessarily stumble across this fine print in all these uh, writings of theirs where what Stanislavski and Strasbourg both said is that the method, so to speak, is something that you apply only if inspiration fails you. Uh, You don't don't need to go off into a room and twist yourself into some kind of psychological pretzel to do this work. If you can just say the words and you're there, you feel connected to the character in and of yourself. Do you 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 have a
4: desire as an actor to be one of those guys, one of those... I'm going to take my rib cage and separate it. When I was younger, I did.
3: You did? When I was younger,
4: I did. Did you feel, you, did, is there, was there a role where you felt you got close to that?
3: When I did Streetcar Named Desire on Broadway and Amy Madigan, I would scream, Stella, Stella, for her to come downstairs. Right. And Amy would come. And the minute I would touch Amy, I'd burst into tears. Wow. And I remember I didn't, I loved Amy more than any woman I ever loved. You know, at that moment. Right. I mean, and it was real. Right. I, I, I was in love with Amy.
4: Do you think I'm capable of that kind of work? I think you are. <laughs> oh, but, it be a tre-
3: but it would be a tremendous mistake on your part. <laughs> it would be a huge, it would be one of the poorest choices probably in show business history for you to go and decide you want to, you know, what do
4: you want to do, a streetcar street so, car? <laughs> um, I was in an acting class where the guy did have me play Brick, but that's Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Because I was able to handle the, the light comedy so easily. He said, you, I, I need to challenge you more. So he had me, then he said, I want you to study the role of Brick. Wasn't that the name of the character in yeah, Streetcar? Yeah, Brick Not, Pollitt. Uh, no, in, in, in Cat and the In Cat and Hucham, yeah, the Yeah, the Newman role. Yeah, Newman. Yeah. Maggie and Brick. Yeah. Well, that's when I left that There's class. a
3: girl. I could, you'll, you'll appreciate this because you're from Long Island. And I met this woman uh, many years later. And even she laughed about it. So I can say this. Uh, you remember Pergamon's Hardware sure, Store? Sure. Okay, right. I went to co- I went to college. I went to GW for three years, and I went and I took my last year there, my junior year, before I uh, climbed over the wall there and went to NYU to study acting. I took acting for non-drama majors. <laughs> It was a gut course you take at GW. I took acting for non-drama majors, and everyone in the class – this was one of the things that gave me the, uh, the impetus to be an actor because everyone in the class was so horrible. And, and I, I could I, – I, could, uh, I squeaked by. Like, I wasn't that bad. I was okay in terms of performing. And the teacher said to me, I want you to do a scene from Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, a Maggie Brick scene, and your partner is Debbie Pergament. Who was the daughter, and and, and uh, I don't want to call her the heir to the Pergamon fortune, (laughs) but let's just say that for our comedy purposes. Debbie Pergamon. (laughs) Yeah. And literally, she was this lovely girl, adorable, gorgeous, really cute as the day is long. But she was from, you know, like Roslyn or somewhere. <laughs> so when she would say... She was the only person who made brick a bisyllabic word. She was like, barrick, <laughs> barrick. I am like a cat on a Hudson roof here. I am so upset. Oh, that's so funny. Debbie Pergament was, was my partner in a in a scene study class. And it was uh, it was eye-opening. So was
4: where eye-opening. do we want to go now? Your Your career now um you you are you're seeing another corridor for yourself is something you want to explore something you have to offer, or be honest with me no, no. are you just tired and you just don't want to travel and schlep and deal with the, these idiots? you want to know the truth is I want to be more like you really
3: you, you How, are, because you are a very Happy, Like, I look at you and I say to myself, every, everything is always like, why aren't you doing what other people do? Right. Like meaning,
6: mm-hmm.
3: like, the first thing people would say in the business, I mean, even outside the business, if they have some savvy about it, was they'd say, did Jerry want to ramp up a production company mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just print TV shows? Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. how many sitcoms could you have launched oh with the God. imprimatur of
4: your name Forget on Forget it. it. Forget it. You could have your own channel. Oh, yeah. The Jerry channel. Yeah. But I didn't take that bait. Wait, what, what, why? Because I, I know what it is. I know what it is. That's why. What is you it? can't pull that over on me. What? Because what? What I've it? sat in all the chairs. I've been in all the rooms. <laughs> I, I know what it is. Look, Alec, you, you've, you've been there, right? Yes. I, you can't trick me into thinking. Thinking what? That's Share good. with the people. Right. Th- that's and good. it's not good. Why? Because Don't produce- most of it... Is not creative work right. and not reaching an audience. You want to be on the water? How do you want to be on the water? You want to be on a yacht? You want to be on a surfboard? I want to be on a surfboard. I don't want to deal with a yacht. That's a yacht. And you just also Some thought— Some people want a yacht to say, see my yacht. Right. And you just
3: didn't want people—and Do you, and you also didn't want to— ultimately wind up putting your name, as is often the case. Like, in at which if you're the goose that lays the golden egg, you're the successful person, and it all emanates. You're the godhead, if you will, comedy-wise. And you go launch all these other shows. And all those other shows, they aren't and maybe as good. Of
4: course they're not. Right, and right, how much right. of your, your day is spent? Going... Well, why doesn't he want to do it? Well, right. how much would we have to no, spend Not even for ones for you to be in, though, but for ones for you just to produce. Whatever it is. Yeah, whatever it is. Like, let me tell you why my TV series in the 90s was so good. Besides an inordinate amount of just pure... Good fortune. In most TV series, 50% of the time is spent working on the show. 50% of the time is spent dealing with personality, political, and uh, hierarchical issues of making something. Uh-huh. We spent 99% of our time writing. Uh-huh. Me and Larry. The door was closed. Some somebody calls. We're not taking the call. Right. We're get, we're going to make this seem funny. That's why the show was good. I didn't want to go from that to um, you know some some H.G. Wells contraption right. machine, <laughs> you know, of, of trying to control the weather. That's what that's what these these deals are. That's what making a movie is. What's a movie? It's this giant machine. It's this giant ship, and everybody gets on it and they shove off and nobody knows where it's going. Yeah, no, they don't. And so the that. captain is doing. Where's the captain? Yeah. He's he's getting high and. Yeah. And, and, and and you yeah. know and, and sleeping with he, the first mate.
3: Yeah. And, and he's asleep. Period.
4: Yeah. So, it's too much time and energy spent on that is not the juice. The really good stuff is a great line. So, so when you go out, so as a stand-up comedian, I can control that.
3: So, when you go out on stage now, for, yeah. so for now, for you, other than whatever other things you're involved with, uh, writing or uh, comedians in cars with coffee and mm-hmm. so forth. You go out on stage, you perform live. How many shows you do on average? Would you say? I'm not sure it varies, but you're on the road. How many? How many shows a year?
4: Um, maybe 75. So you do 75.
3: So, so you do 75 appearances a year. Yeah. And is it just very simply a case where you walk out there, that exchange of energy between you mm-hmm. and them? Mm-hmm. They want what you've got. You want what they've got.
4: You're at home. You feel comfortable. You're happy. It's a. It's a. It's it's a um, very fulfilling. Uh, unsolvable puzzle that is endlessly um it just just goes right to your soul does every night need to be different if you can make it so do you try to make it different uh, there's nothing i can do about that it's going to be different it's going to be different yeah but if i can get them right where i want them and and get myself where i want myself and the thing just explodes well you know it's fun that's life um, People who perform
3: live, I'll never forget there was an article like in Esquire magazine or somewhere and they did an article about Wayne Newton and it was about Vegas and and I think it was about Wayne Newton and I love this article and they weren't mean toward him or diminishing him and they were saying how they they thought it was uncanny how the guy went to the show in Vegas with a stopwatch and Newton came out and and he did the same thing every show, the same exact thing, same exact beats. It was just, it was just. He just cloned one show after the, right. and he would come out, but he would create the dynamic tension that this show was different. Right. And he would come out on stage, the people would be screaming, and the women are throwing their panties and they're throwing their hotel room keys at him, his crowd, and and then he would sit there and he'd say, um, um, you know, we gotta, we, we gotta wrap this up, but uh, you know, I love you people so much. I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna sing a song. I never sing anymore. And he, It's a song he just sang like you know, 90 yeah. minutes ago. Yeah. I'm gonna sing a number for you guys. I never sing anymore. I never, we we'll never break this one out anymore. Yeah. And he just recreated the same. Uh, you know, mock freshness of the mm-hmm. whole thing, mm-hmm.
4: which many performers, I assume, they do that. Yeah, he used to say, uh, tell them to lock the doors. The, uh, they, they they don't want me to go long, but I, but this audience, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to do something for you I'm, I never do. Yeah, I'm, I'm breaking what, the rules. Yeah, yeah, and of course, he would end right on the button. You performed in Vegas? All the time. Right. They, so they throw the hotel room key. How desperate is this entertainer, by the way, to just pick up 15D And go, I'm heading over there. I'm going over there. Yeah. Which one of you is 15D? Oh, you. I'm sorry. Let me give you your key back. I'm sorry.
3: I don't want that key. Coming up, more from Jerry Seinfeld. He's got so many years of stand up under his belt. When he travels, as he does most weekends, every move is planned.
4: It is organized with military precision.
3: Not an ounce of fat
4: an on it. Not an ounce of fat on it. an ounce of fat on the day. It's three guys, three suits, three garment bags. We're in, we're out, and uh, we have a great time. We work very hard. It's zero dark 30. It is. You're in. <laughs> yeah. Get Bin Laden, go. That's, <laughs> That's so, right. Yeah. That's Finger put right. the dead body, zip yeah. bag, Body yeah. bag, go. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> a, <laughs> a, this is what I was given from the TV series, that I could live like this now. On my own terms. that That's what we're looking for. On my own terms. On my own terms. Right? God, I've, 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 that's such a foreign concept to me. Yes. Of like course, the life of an actor is my, anything but is that. anything but. Right. But this is where we're moving now with Alec. God. Yeah. My, my, my God. On my own terms.
3: More wisdom from Jerry Seinfeld in a moment. This is Alec Baldwin.
5: smart and intellectual i'm kind of smart i think like it would be fun we have the best conversations like we have fun but then he would treat me like crap
0: listen to on purpose with jay shetty on the iHeartRadio radio app apple podcast or wherever you get your podcasts trust me you won't want to miss this one
2: Listen to a brand new season of Math and Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.
3: This is Alec Baldwin. When Jerry Seinfeld was 10 years old, he started feverishly studying the techniques of stand-up comedians on TV,
4: devouring it every just like, just like my daughter does now. My daughter has totally got whatever that gene I had. She's got it. She can do any voice accent takes lines.
1: Her brother you, you, said to her
4: this morning, She's wearing glasses. She has glasses. Her brother said to him, uh, He said, "Are those are those real glasses?" She looked at him. She said, "What do you think?" <laughs> <laughs> That's she's yeah. 12. Yeah. No, they're She's glasses. already Right. I'm
3: getting ready to go play Ayn Rand <laughs> at the local library in the fake glasses. <laughs> yeah, wait. Schmuck. Under a breath, Schmuck.
4: <laughs> but, um, okay, so my house, um, I assume my my childhood was... Uh, I, my relationship to my parents was, you do what you got to do, I'll do what I got to do, and I'm just living here till I can figure something else out. That was my house. And... To me, that was great. We've talked about this, you and I. before. Everybody was very independent. Yes, my father never hugged me, never told me he loved me, never threw me a ball. No problem. No I'm good. Problem. I'm good. I'm good. He's. You're good. I'm, I'm watching
2: F Troop. You go do whatever you going to do. That's right. Me and
4: Larry Storch are having yeah. some time together. Right. Who was the guy who blew the horn in the in the when the tower and the tower fell over? Remember at the beginning of each show. I forget what was it. Was it uh, Larry? It was another. Was it Larry Storch? No, Larry Storch was Agarn. He was Agarn. Uh, there was another Ken Larry. Barry was Captain Ken, Parmenter? Captain Parmenter. I, I, he wasn't really funny, but there was another guy, La, another Larry, who was at the top of the tower. The tower would fall over.
3: The beginning. Yeah, he was, of the he was that
4: very kind of vanilla looking. Yeah. Yeah. It but, wasn't. Yeah. La, it wasn't Larry Wilcox who went on to do Chips. No. No, it was another Larry. Anyway. But uh, yeah, it mean, was Abbott and Costello. Was I really became obsessed with them sure. because of the precision wordplay? They were see that's where they went beyond. There was there was Laurel and Hardy, and then Martin and Lewis. But Abbott and Costello had this precision. I mean, who's on first sure. is is a piece of it. Yeah. it, it it's like uh, that that museum in Spain. You know the the what you know Abrato. the. No, the other one uh, that, uh, what's his name, did? Uh, the Geary did. That, yeah. Right. Whose real name is Goldberg, by the way. <laughs> is it really? Yes, it is. Is it really? He changed it in college. Frank Ge- Frank yeah, Geary's real name yeah, is? Yeah, the, uh, what's the name of that museum in northern Spain? Begins Bilbao. With Bilbao, yeah. But anyway, that's what who's on first is. It's like, what a construction. What a brilliant piece of construction. So, and when I heard things like that, I, um, I just would get very excited that you could do things like that with words and ideas and attitudes and, and have laughs, you know, have laughs. I remember when I was a kid, my dad would go to work and my brothers and sisters would
3: go to school and my mom was lonely. Mm-hmm. I probably missed school like 30 or 40 days a year. You did? And it was a game. I was totally full of shit. I'd say to my mom, I don't feel good. <laughs> right. And my mom would be like, all right, you get in there and go to the breakfast table. And pretend you're going to school until your father leaves. And then when he's gone, you can go back upstairs. (laughs) And I would go and lie on the couch. And they would show the same movie five days in a row. Right. So the housewives who could only catch a piece of it here and a piece of it. So they'd show *Inherit the Wind*. Right. And by Friday, I was laying in bed. I, I missed school for three days. And Friday, Spencer Tracy would say, "This man wants to be afforded the same rights as a sponge. He wishes to think." And I, I'd lip sync the words. I knew. That, I'm like your daughter. Right. I became a complete movie. Savant. So that's where it began. And then when we got into the Aaron Spelling years, I abandoned. TV. Yeah. I never watched TV again after. Right. No right. Charlie's Angels. And now them. what do you watch?
4: Uh, now— I come into uh, your house. It's 1045 at night. Everyone's—the wife, kids, uh, baby's asleep. I'm reading. You're reading? I'm reading. On the internet? I
3: read—no, I read them. No, I, I read a book or I read The New Yorker to get me to sleep. Reading helps me get fall asleep. Right. But when I watch TV— God when NFL I watch I make appointments for NFL 60 minutes I watch MSNBC I watch uh uh I I have watched snippets of these shows uh you know like Breaking Bad and these contemporary uh you know these juggernauts. They, they don't hook
4: you. I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't un, I I don't, I, have time. I don't understand either. I, I, don't, have time. I don't where do they find the time? Well, yeah. did you download uh, House of Cards? No. Yeah. yeah. 28 hours is the first episode. Right. <laughs> I can't. Do, what are they doing? What kind? How long are their days? Well, I always would get that. I would always be flattered for a moment.
3: There was always a double beat there when someone would walk up to me with Lauren, mm-hmm. and they would walk up and they'd say, uh, J- Lauren would say, oh, you know, uh, Dave here, <laughs> Dave Swanson from, uh, you know, from uh, Comcast," and I'd go, "Hi, nice to meet you." And he turned to Lauren and go, "God, you guys, I got to tell you, my son broke his leg skiing, and he was in bed, he was in traction, and we watched seasons two and three of Thirty Rock," and I thought, I'd smile, and then I thought. Well, that's how you get to watch seasons two and three or three. got to go out and break your leg (laughs) skiing. you got to go wrap yourself around a tree. Then you can lay in bed
4: and and binge view all this. I I do not understand how people are fitting this into their days. So so there's not even one show that you're— I really love Mad Men because that was my dream growing up on Long Island was to get a Samsonite briefcase, go on the Long Island Railroad. I was going to go in the city, and I was going to work at a big ad agency and write funny ads. That was my first dream. That was. Yeah. Because stand-up comedy that I was seeing on the Sullivan Show, that was too far out. That, that was these are some genius alien people. Exactly. I could I never thought. be yeah. one of those. People. I'm I'm not gonna get that. Yeah, chance. but maybe I could be a copywriter or or something in the ad game. I love advertising. I like I like I love Manhattan. You remember when growing up in Massapequa, Manhattan was was Oz. It was the Emerald City. I tell people when we were kids. There was no
3: Bergen County correspondent. <laughs> the Martians could have landed out in, uh, in, 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 in Hempstead. No one cared. <laughs> the, the Martians did land in Hempstead because they knew there were no cameras out there. When you grew up in our generation, it was like the mayor announced today of uh, the subway today, the cop shot on the IND, the perpetrator yeah. this, the bank robbery this. And it was all Manhattan, Manhattan, the, the garden today, the heavyweight show. Yeah. Everything was Manhattan, not even the other outer boroughs.
4: Right. And when you lived at, when you lived where we lived, that was Saskatchewan yeah. to, to, to the media. <laughs> Remember Alan just... Burke? Did you ever see Alan Burke? Yes. And uh, they would come up. They, they had never correctly <clears throat> estimated the average height of a New Yorker. The podium was always way too high. Mr. Blake, I just came in from Mars. where the Taxi and Limousine Commission there. <laughs> they would always bring it right back to some New York issue. Yeah. So Mad Men that is my fan. And that lasted how
3: long? When did you cross over and decide, I could do the other thing?
4: How were you? Um, it was uh, in college, Queens College. What did you study there? Uh, theater, communications, film, all that stuff. I was circling circling the field, you know, going, how do I, how could I, I wonder if I could, you know. Did you decide? And then there there was Andy Kaufman. Then Andy Kaufman happened. There's this guy in New York who goes up on stage, he plays the bongos and starts weeping. He's crazy.
3: Here I come to save the day. So we all
4: ran in to see Andy Kaufman at the improv. And as soon as I walked in that room and I saw what was going on in there,
3: I got to get in on this.
4: Yeah. I want to be one of these guys. And when you
3: got up there and finally, through whatever uh, apprenticeship you had, and when you got up there and you did that, was there a moment where like some guy comes up to you? I don't mean to be too Broadway Danny Roosevelt. Yes, there was. Did some guy
4: walk up to you and go, kid, call me? You know, you got Yes, there was. And do you know who that guy was? Who? Jackie Mason. No. Jackie Mason. Alec, I was doing comedy about three weeks. Three weeks. And I mean, stumbling. Nobody. Three weeks. I'm 19 years old, 20 years old, of going up on stage. It wasn't even a stage. It was a restaurant where they take a table out, and they would take one of the lights, the lamp, and they would take the shade off it. That was the show. He was in the audience, 15 people, right? It was one of these cabaret things, West 44th Street. It was called the Golden Lion Pub. He crooks his finger, and he says, come over here. <laughs> he takes me over to the bar. He says, you have it he says you are going to be so big he says it makes me sick to even think of it how successful you're going to be and i was just starting wow and that i mean that was that was it cuz he was a you know he was a very big comedian still one of my favorites a great comedian but to have a guy like that come up to you as a kid that, that, i had a experience. so that experience. that's still You know, when I talked to you about, I went in the improv and I saw all these guys, and I thought, I want to be one of these guys. That's still how I feel.
3: Now, was there a moment when, for me, one of the real pure joys of this business are the people I've gotten to meet? Yeah. And I don't want to, you know, go on and on and on, but were there people who came to you that were like these godlike figures to you, or you just admired them from your world, that came up to you and said, hey, man. They winked at you and said, It could be Carson across the room.
4: Well, Jack Rollins, who I looked up because I saw your movie, which I loved, uh, Blue Jasmine. Mm-hmm. And you were great in Kate it. Kate was great. And I see like, Jack Rollins is in the credits. I look him up. He's still alive. He's 98. Yeah. His daughter was a waitress at a comedy club on the Upper East Side. And she brought him in to see me and Larry Miller and Jimmy Brogan. And he watched the three of us. And then he sat and talked with us afterwards. And he was very encouraging. Very flattering. That was really big because we were in it about a year at that point. We didn't know there was no business to get into, even if we could do this. Didn't even exist. There was no place to work as a stand up comic in 1977. Didn't even exist. It happened in the 80s. Once there were all these guys around, then these clubs started opening around the country. And what about someone
3: else? Someone beyond a 98 year old man who exists in the credits of a Woody Allen movie? Who was some iconic stand up figure?
4: Well, I saw Richard Pryor in, in those days. Um, he, he would come into the clubs and we and would say talk. say something to you. George Carlin. No, he never said anything to me, but just to meet right, to, those meet people. Well, was, was there one at some point who, other than Mason, said, you've got it? Was there no. Right. No. 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 You, if you don't need that. Any, any okay. self-respecting <laughs> professional comedian, you don't need that. You don't need anyone or anything. You are built for brutality. You have this relationship with the audience that is private between you and them. You Critics want to write. People want to talk. We, we have our own thing that nobody, nobody can break that. Once you build that, it can't be broken by outside forces. This is the difference between being a comedian that has his own thing and everybody else in the entertainment field who needs to cooperate to f- survive. The comedian, the, you know, what do I care what somebody writes about my show? What do I care? Yeah. So even doing the series and even knowing I had these other avenues I could pursue, that, that's so pure and so perfect and so good. It's not easy. It is a rigorous life to maintain that. You know, I don't, um, I don't hang out on stage. you've you've seen the show I don't hang out I'm I'm up here to work I'm going to work for you because I respect this relationship Mm -hmm. and I want to keep it Mm -hmm. I want to keep it because once you have that you can do what you want
3: Jerry Seinfeld has meditated for over four decades and it shows he says it makes stress float away I wanted to find out more about Jerry and meditation. So I called
6: him. Transcendental meditation. That's what I do. Yeah, that, okay. TM. Right.
3: And how long have you been doing that?
6: Since um, 72.
3: So, so when did that come into your life? You like saw a billboard when you were yeah, at the Long Island Railroad Station?
6: At uh, Oswego State University where I was Seriously? enrolled because I, I couldn't take senior year anymore. So I left high school six months early and got into college and left in the middle of senior year. Now, I know you didn't do that. No. Because you were handsome and the girls were hanging off of you. And senior year was fantastic for you. Yeah. That's what I know. It
3: was a vending machine of
6: women. It was I just know. Endless. Yeah. Well, it was, wasn't like that for me, right. buddy boy. Okay. All right. So I thought, I got to get out of here and start a new life with people that don't know me. Okay. So I went to Oswego. And while I was there, and I remember this is uh, still in the flora and fauna of 60s uh, experimentalism, so a Transcendental Meditation, somebody told me about it. I don't remember who. And I thought, well, let me see what that's about. And I went to the thing, and I learned the technique. It cleared up my acne immediately. I had this great energy and focus and... Uh, I've been doing it the rest of my life.
3: So you sound, when you say uh, you learned the technique and it cleared yeah. up your acne and you had energy and focus, mm-hmm. it, it sounds like you ultimately had the sex that had been evading you up till then before you went to Oswego. What, That's was it? correct. So the TM was really a pathway to, to sex, correct? What isn't? Right. How can I do it? Like, what, what, like where do you do it? Can you do it anywhere or do you have to you be do in do a sacred anywhere. space? You can do it anywhere. I'm going to
6: get you doing it now. I want you to get me doing it. You're my next victim.
3: I want more energy, more focus. I want my
6: acne to clear up. Well, you don't need You can't have more energy. You can't even dispose of the energy that you have.
3: It's true. But it's toxic energy. It's more like a Chernobyl than it is
6: a kind of a (laughs) a a babbling brook. This is a nice energy. Really nice. Here's how I'll describe it to you. You know how three times a year you wake up and you go, boy, that was a really good sleep. Yes. Imagine feeling like that every day. Oh, my God. That's what it is.
3: Meditation. I got to try that. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing.
0: Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi
1: Rapaport, And me,
0: Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is Sheep Pivots.